Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Seven games into the season, the Cardinals are 5-2. and two. What does it mean? What does it tell us about this team moving forward? We take a 30,000-foot view of how the season has played out so far. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 342, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So I got a question for you, MJ, and I'm just going to rip it right off of what Chase Edmonds had to say post-game Sunday following Sunday Night Football. Quote, this is that type of games where you really find out how real are we. Well, I ask you, Mike Jarecki, after seven games, how real are the Arizona Cardinals? Well, when you got five wins and you're looking at the second half schedule, which we'll get into, I mean, yeah, I, I think this team is making progress, and I don't know if they've scratched the surface like they think on offense. I think defensively uh, you have to be impressed with some of the stops they've made in some of the rankings. But, you know, I, I definitely put, think they put themselves in the conversation to be one of those wild card teams. Five and two after seven games as we officially hit the bye here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. I think in the offseason, you look at this schedule and you say, all right, five and two after seven games. I think everyone would sign up for that. The question is how you get to those five wins and what are the two losses. I think that's where people would be scratching their head because you win on the road at San Francisco, the defending NFC champions, and you wonder, well, that's certainly perhaps a loss. You should be able to beat Washington and Detroit at home. Maybe Carolina's a tough one, although it's a first-year head coach. You certainly should beat the Jets, the Cowboys on the road, Dak Prescott and that offense. Maybe that's a loss. And then, of course, the Seattle game, even though it's at home, maybe a toss-up, but it's one of those games when you look back at history. Seahawks very good at State Farm Stadium. Cardinals very good at CenturyLink Stadium. So maybe you're looking at maybe three wins, maybe four wins, but here you are with five wins and two of those against San Francisco and Seattle. Yeah, and, and, and you get greedy here. You try to go for the sweep. Uh, we know over the last years uh, when Sean McVay has been the head coach, uh, they've kind of been the had the upper hand, and I was thinking this is the year that you gotta you, you got to make a run in the division. And, again, we could see three teams uh, make the postseason. Uh, obviously the division uh, winner, and then based on uh, records – and, again, the Cardinals, you look at it, 2-0 in the division. And, you know, obviously they play well in Seattle. Um, you know, San Francisco's got to come here. And then you guys still got to get two against the Rams. But the Cardinals 5-2, and 4-2 and two in the conference. And let's be honest, they should have won that Detroit game. But in the end, you know, they made too many mistakes. In Carolina, it sounded like they just walked on the field and they thought they were going to beat them. Yeah, that's the disappointing one because they didn't show up to play. They were not competitive on the road against the Panthers and the Lions. I don't know, maybe a year ago, you know, that's the game where it's week one. It's the first game for head coach Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, and that becomes a tie. But for whatever reason, this Lions team has always played the Cardinals tough. But week three this season and at home, that should be a win. And then 
The Cowboys game, I think, is a surprise, even though at the time we thought, you know, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, but without those two guys, or with really without Prescott being healthy, then it became, well, hey, it's on prime time. Maybe the Cardinals will actually uh, be able to reach and pick up a very important victory. But I'll go back to where this game or where their season started, September 13th at San Francisco and where we are right now, October 25th at home to Seattle. You've bookended these seven games with wins against division opponents and not just any division opponents, but very two very capable division opponents. Yeah, and you know how I feel about losing streaks. And when you lose three in a row, it's like the sky's falling. The Cardinals did lose a couple in a row. Uh, to Detroit and Carolina, and, you know, again, they don't make the schedule, they play it, and then they got, you know, went up to New York, and I thought they found something in their passing game, and I think it carried over to last week. And, and the thing is, you look at the remaining schedule right now, and it's it's early, but I'm just going to give you an idea. Uh, the Cardinals would be the sixth seed, and the Rams would be the seventh seed, and Seattle would be up there. Now, looking at the remaining schedule. Uh, the Cardinals are ranked 27th when it comes to strength of schedule. Now, the 49ers, 28th. The Rams have the easiest schedule on paper. And then you throw in um, Seattle, they're 20th. So projected on what we the records they, we have right now and moving forward, the Cardinals have a favorable schedule. Now it all starts with Miami. Um, they're going to get their first opportunity with Tua. Buffalo. First road opportunity. First road opportunity, but he'll get his first start coming up. And then you look at Buffalo. They've lost two really good uh, to good teams, I'd say. Um, but they're also you know trying to win that division. Josh Allen obviously is making progress. Their defense is probably underrated. And then Seattle on Thursday night football. And then you go to New England, and they're struggling, but it's still Bill Belichick and – you know, his numbers have been pretty good against young quarterbacks, but I think the Cardinals have a better roster. And then you finally get that matchup with the Rams in week 13. And then you got the Giants. Um, that's a road game. So the weather could play a factor, but they clearly are the better team. Maybe the Giants are looking forward to the uh, offseason. And then they got Philadelphia at home. Uh, they're going to try to be in the races based on their record. And then the Cardinals finish out the, um, the season with San Francisco – and the Los Angeles Rams. So back-to-back uh, division games, and those can mean double, depending on where you are. So, Craig, I think if you get to nine or ten wins, I think you've got a great opportunity. And here we are, they still have nine games to go. So it's right there for the taking. Now, obviously injuries and, you know, hopefully that Carolina game was the dud of the year because you always have one, you don't, and you can't see it coming. And that was the dud of the year. Hopefully that doesn't come back to haunt them. I think Carolina will come back to earth a little bit. But clearly winning conference games, and now nothing against Buffalo and uh, Miami and New England, they still count in the win column. So it would be nice to see scratch out a couple AFC wins. They already have the Jets, and they still got three against the AFC this year. Well, let's just do some simple math here. With nine games left, you go five and four at minimum. Well, that's ten wins here in year two under head coach Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. And we always kind of pair those two together. So 10-win season. Is that enough to get into the playoffs? I have no idea, especially in a tough NFC West. But if you can just go 500 or a little bit above 500, 
I like this year two jump. You've doubled your win total from one year to the next, but now you're playing meaningful football in the month of December where you've got the Rams, the 49ers, and then the Rams again to close out the 2020 campaign. You should be able to beat the Giants. You should be able to beat the Eagles based off what we've seen so far. Heck, I'll even say you should be able to beat the Dolphins at home, the Bills at home, and maybe even go to New England, which we thought maybe would have been a loss in the offseason, but now considering where they are at right now through week seven, perhaps that's even a win. So, yes, to your point, it's a perfect scenario for the Cardinals to make that jump to year two, as you've talked about all offseason. Now, if we were talking about a three and four team, I would say it's going to be a daunting task. You already have five wins, okay? And we're we're not in November and December yet. So it's impressive. Um, I know this team could be better. I know they feel like they leave points on the field. Um, but I listened to Buda Baker earlier on the Dan Patrick Show. And great interview. That was the first time they've interviewed him. He, he, he is poking fun of himself. But he said, he, he asked, you know, what do you think of this team? And he said, we trust each other. Because he said, you know, we won in San Francisco and then we had a little bit of a law. But he said, we trust each other. We know, you know, when we have to, you know, Take, when we step on the field, we have to trust each other. But he said, we have trust in the locker. We believe in each other, and I think that's huge. That goes a long way because if you can't get the job done or you need help, you know you've got someone that has your back or someone on the back end with respect to the defense that can cover you if there's a slip-up. And we notice when guys make plays like Buddha, yes, uh, of course he wanted to score that touchdown. But did you see the sidelines, how excited they were? Because now they forced a turnover. That, 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 that gets lost here. They forced a turnover. Now, obviously, they weren't able to capitalize. Uh, but at the same time, um, and then even, even the, the, when they showed the uh, – Cliff after the game, giving the game ball to Isaiah Simmons. They were so excited for him because they know that the guy's been working hard. So they're a tight-knit group. There's chemistry there. They're all rooting for each other. They come to the sidelines. And, and so you don't have a selfish team. You know, it's not about me. And uh, I just think that that's the way they constructed the roster. Let's be honest, Craig. They don't have a lot of uh, bad apples in that locker room. Well, that scene in the locker room with Isaiah Simmons was reminiscent of Dennis Gardeck as well. Someone who works hard, gets the opportunity, answers the bell, excels at that opportunity, and then gets rewarded for it. And that's what you like to see. And Buddha also said they asked him what it's like, uh, to, you know, with Cliff. He said he keeps it short. Um, you know, he didn't say players coach, but he said he keeps it short. He lets us do our thing, and, and he expects us when we get on the practice field and on the, on the field in game day to step up and make plays. But he said he's great. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't go 20, 30-minute meetings. It's really short because he wants us to know, um, you know, put the time in in the film room on your own, but also when you step on the field, be ready to practice. And be willing to listen, talking about head coach Cliff Kingsbury, not only to his coaching staff but to the players, and that's what we heard coming out of the game against Seattle is the players on the field, if they see something, they notice something, they've got their face in the fire, so to speak, they can come to the sideline, and, yeah, some of the coaches maybe in the booth have it, a broader picture, but when you're in there, you know which way a player is leaning left or right or a tendency that perhaps doesn't show up on film. player comes to the coach and says, hey, I think we can do X. All right, let's try it. And that is a willingness that I don't know of a lot of coaches, coaching staffs that have at any professional or collegiate football level. Yeah, and and, and the fact is that, you know, a lot of people question the hire, and I understand 
um, but you really can't judge what he did in college. I know that obviously he got fired, uh, but I've always thought of him as a guy that can run in the offense. And now the fact that he's the head coach, we really he's the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, and he works strictly with the quarterbacks. But in team meetings, he talks to the whole team. But uh, I don't think anybody's questioning the pick of Kyler Murray, and nobody's questioning the hire of Cliff Kingsbury. And again, we're early in the second year of this new regime from a head coach and a quarterback situation. Certainly, very very positive at a five and two mark, and perhaps even more importantly, two and zero. Oh within the division. Before we kind of go back to where the Cardinals are right now and kind of give our positives and areas to improve upon here in the second half of the season, so to speak, this division as a whole, without question, the toughest division in all of football. Collectively, 19 wins, just eight losses. Seahawks 5-1, and one, Cardinals 5-2, Rams 5-2, 49ers 4-3. and three. There is a sense that, yeah, maybe you can get two, perhaps maybe even three, but four would be a lot to get into the postseason just because they're facing each other, they're going to beat themselves up, and then you get into tiebreakers, and there's going to be that team in the NFC East that's going to win, perhaps with a losing record, and you've got the other two divisions that need to be invited to the party as well. So... Two, definitely. Three, might be pushing it a little bit. And four, I just don't know if the numbers match up. But this division as a whole, MJ, what have you seen and why is it so hard to win when you're playing against an NFC West opponent? I think it's because of the quarterback play. Now, we can sit here and debate Jimmy Garoppolo, but he did uh, take his team to 13-3. and three. He got to the Super Bowl. They were you know, maybe a quarter away from, from knocking off the Chiefs, and they've had tons of injuries, and, and they're battling. They're four and three. They're one and one in the division. The Rams, you know, obviously they moved on from Gurley. Uh, I think they're not forcing to where they have to run the ball with one guy. It opens up the offense, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby. I think the defense is taking on the personality of, of a younger coach. They're flying around a little bit more. Um and then you look at Seattle. I mean, they're just steady Eddie. I mean, they're five and one. They're zero and one in the division. They're three and one in the conference. And you know, they haven't played the t- toughest opponents, but they were able to take care of that. And I just think when you have Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, they have the experience when you get to the month of November and December. And the shocking thing for me was there's just the mistakes that Russell Wilson made in the Cardinals game. I mean, we always talk about you know he was he's still in the conversation for MVP, but 19 over three, and he gets three interceptions and. You know, I watched him. I watched the shortcut version yesterday, and when he threw that pick to Patrick Peterson, I think he was dumbfounded. Um, coming back to the sidelines, he was kind of um, he was kind of puzzled. Like, how did I make that throw? Was it a miscommunication? But I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I do think the defense are they play up to par. Um, but I think it's the quarterback play. I really do. And. You know, Goff, you're always wondering, you know, is it about, you know, protection? But he still throws a good ball. And Sean McVay has him rolling. Uh, You know, maybe not, you know, the numbers that they had when they had Todd Gurley and a really good defense. But I just think in in the head coaches, I I really think Kyle Shanahan's, you know, he's carved his niche out. Pete Carroll, obviously, is a Hall of Fame coach. You throw in Kingsbury, I think he's on the rise. And then Sean McVay, I mean, I think his record speaks for itself. You can't question the talent within the division, and I think it's going to come down to who stays the healthiest, and we've seen already the 49ers with a number of players going on and off injured reserve, but they're still staying in the mix. 
And then who makes the least number of mistakes? You go back to what we saw on Sunday Night Football with Russell Wilson. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but he made some in that game. And if you can limit the number of mistakes, and that's what everyone wants to do, but who can capitalize on those mistakes as well? Because sometimes you do get teams that can overcome those mistakes. And what did we talk about last year with this team? They didn't have the talent to overcome the little mistakes that good teams, great teams, playoff contending teams, championship teams are able to overcome just because they're better than you. And I think with the second year and then also the infusion of talent in the offseason. This is now a loaded roster in respects to the starters and then also your backups because you're always going to need those capable second-string guys, so to speak, because, well, you need a rotation, and then, two, you need to be ready if someone goes down. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point because clearly the Cardinals still have four games inside the division. Seattle has five. Uh, the Rams have five. Um the Niners have four. So if they beat each other up, you know, maybe only two teams. But then you start looking at Tampa, they're five and two. You look at New Orleans, I think they're a playoff team. They're four and two. Green Bay clearly is is above Chicago. Chicago didn't look very good on Monday Night Football. They're five and two, though, so you got to give them credit. So it's going to be interesting because, again, it's going to come down to conference wins. But if you can somehow go, you know, split in the division, and then depending on where you are, if you lose one, Try to get greedy here because that's going to go a long way whether you're a five or a six or a seven seed. And, again, a lot of football still to be played. Uh, obviously, they got to stay healthy at certain positions. But I do think, and you said it earlier, and that's something we haven't had the last couple of years, meaningful football in December. Berg gang, make sure you catch up on all Cardinals flight plan episodes, including the newest episode, which will drop this weekend. That's right, on Saturday, Halloween night, another flight plan episode. You can go to the Arizona Cardinals official YouTube page, youtube.com slash Cardinals. As we continue here on this Thursday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. No game to look forward to, no game to dissect and scout. So kind of a... Well, a big picture view on how this season has unfolded for the Cardinals so far. We touched on the schedule, the five wins, the two losses, and really two disappointing losses. So, yeah, you get greedy once things start going your way and you get some maybe some surprising wins and you look back at, well, what might have been. But, hey, we'll take the 5-2 and two record. Cardinals will next be at home on November 8th and then November 15th. Miami and Buffalo back-to-back weeks against the AFC East team. And then you go on the road for two games, Seattle, New England, and then, of course, the month of December but this team right now what do you like that they are doing very well whether that's offense defense or special teams you give me a couple of different ones and then we can go back and forth I like the way they're running the football now we'll find out you know the availability of Kenyon Drake moving forward from a standpoint of um, can they still run consistency uh, consistent I should say when it comes to running football but I really like what, what the offensive line has done I think Kyler Murray uh, they're on the same page. They kind of know how to block for him now. And uh, so I like to see the passing game, obviously, a more, uh, you know, accuracy from Kyler Murray. But the good news is um, they should be getting Max Williams back. And Max Williams has been missed. Now, the first couple of games, maybe he didn't have the greatest grades, but they can run a lot more um, 11 personnel. And nothing against Dan Arnold and Terrell Daniels. He had a bad game. 
um, you know, drop pass. He had a penalty. Um, you know, he's trying to he's trying to blow the guy up on the line, and he's not blocking very well. Dan Arnold, a couple of big catches the last couple of weeks. Um, then you got Thomas. Um, but getting Max Williams back, I think it's really going to help the run game. Not that it's not that they're averaging three yards a carry, but I just having him on the field. And then if you want to go two tight ends, which we know Cliff did last year, now you got a guy that's really. Uh, a wide receiver playing tight end in Arnold, and then you got Max Williams, who's really the meat and potatoes guy. So I think that's really going to help the offense as a whole. Funny you write down or you say running the football, and I wrote down my first positive, running the football. This team right now ranks number two in the league in yards per game at just over 160, and then yards per carry, they rank number three at 5.2. Remember this team a year ago, over five yards a carry. That set a franchise record. Dare I say they could be better than they were a year ago running the football, which would go against everything everyone thinks about what this offense can be. But whether it's Kenyon Drake or Chase Edmonds or someone else, it always comes back to the offensive line. Those five guys, six when you count Justin Murray, seven when you count Josh Jones, who sometimes has been in there as a sixth offensive lineman, and then the head of the snake, so to speak, Sean Kugler, what he has been able to do in a year-plus time to get this team running the football because we say it all the time. The run sets up the pass. If this team wants to be a successful passing attack, you've got to be able to run the ball. Now, you don't need to be a top-five rushing team, but you have to be respected. And the Cardinals, not only are they respected, but they might be feared when it comes to the ground attack. Yeah, and I think the perception is uh, they're, they're running an air raid offense. And we know that's not true. You can, you can say they're running a run air raid offense. Now, According to Darren Urban, and these are fascinating numbers, and we, we kind of know it just by watching the games from this year to last year. Uh, you can go to azcardinals.com, and Darren Urban had an article yesterday. He said last season through seven games, Kyler Murray had been sacked 23 times for 154 yards in losses. This season through seven games, he's been sacked nine times for 38 yards in losses. What a difference a year makes. And I think a lot of that is not just the offensive line, but we heard Kyler Murray bring it up in the offseason and in training camp that they wanted to cut that sack total from a year ago, 48 and a half. Now, that's a big ask, but, hey, they're on track to cut it even more than half. But it's him acknowledging that I can't outrun certain defensive linemen. i got to be smarter. I'm not always going to make a positive play. It's okay to throw the ball away. It's okay to give yourself up as long as it's just a one- or two-yard loss. It's not that 7, 8, 10, 12-yard loss that we saw a lot last season. Yeah, and, you know, Kyler Murray, uh, I checked out his Instagram account, and he said, quote, put my heart and soul into this. So, I mean, you talk about a guy that's a fierce competitor, um, but it was nice to see him smiling on the sidelines. I mean, because I, I was telling you a few weeks ago, I'm watching Aaron Rodgers and some of these quarterbacks. Now, he's not been in the league that long enough, and if the game's tight, you can't sit there. But he's, you can see he's having fun. He's, I don't think he's feeling the same pressure that he felt last year. Well, at this point now, I think because he's more comfortable, you can be more free as far as what you want to do personally and then within this offense. And then you bring it up, what you touched on earlier, what Buda Baker told Dan Patrick this week, the trust. I think Kyler Murray is beginning to trust more of his teammates to do things that maybe he had to guide them through or just say, you know what, they're not quite there yet. Let me go to option B or option C. Yeah, 
and he's not afraid to get in someone's face. Um, you know, I don't want to see it on the field, but if he's going to the sidelines and, you know, guys are giving him attitude, he's going to c- confront you. And so, you know, in, in last game, you know, a couple t- players like uh, Hopkins and, and Fitz told, you know, hey, Cliff, this could work here. And Cliff, you know, he takes it in consideration. He's got to make the decision. It's not that they were asking for the ball, but they see stuff that they think can work based on their experience in the NFL. And, and, and again, that's that's really great for Cliff that he's allows these guys input. We know when it comes to the running game um, during the week, it's, it's Sean Kugler and then his backup. Brian Natkin. Yeah, we, we need to say his name more. Brian Natkin. Brian Natkin, because I was, I mean, it, it kind of came out that he does a lot of the cutups for the players. So during the week, they're prepared. I mean, the fact that, you know, Kugler, Saxon, Steve Hyden, they, are, they really are involved in the running game game plan. So the fact that he's willing to lean on these guys, and I can't say enough about the hire of Sean Kugler. It, listen, um, they had George Warhop here, Russ Grimm. I thought he, he was getting a little long in the tooth. He always backed players, I get it, because he played the game. But I, I think Sean Kugler is the best offensive line coach they've had since they moved here. Well, the numbers certainly back up that claim. And, yes, you have to account, and we always do, but we always say it, Kyler Murray, his running ability, because that is a huge factor. It's not just one guy going between the tackles or finding a lane on the left or right edge. It's the defense having to wonder what is Kyler Murray going to do and then put one or two guys on him, which opens everything else from an offensive standpoint. And that's why I think a lot of the time a Kenyon Drake or Chase Edmonds are seen so wide open lanes, especially in between the tackles, because when you spread the ball out, then all of a sudden the middle of the field is wide open. And I think that's where the Cardinals are having their most success with moving the football up and down the field. Yeah, and I really think, uh, you know, Christian Kirk, uh, I've asked Cliff about it. I think, you know, I, he had something to the vertical game. He's really good on the intermediate routes. And so, you know, I think Kyler's, he trusts him. Obviously, they played together. He knows the offense. Uh, but when Christian Kirk's on the field, there's more balance in the offense. And, and I think Kyler, the first couple of weeks, when you have a number one wide receiver, and as we were told, they weren't covering him, so he's going to throw it in. But now it's not automatic. I mean, you got some other matchups. Larry was more involved in that. Uh, I like that. Um, obviously, they're not getting a whole lot of production from their tight ends, and maybe you don't have to right now because you got Chase Edmonds who can catch the ball, and then you look at Isabella. Um, I still want him to get better ball security. Um, and then you look at Larry, and, you know, uh, Keyshawn Johnson hasn't been active, but we know Trent Shurfield, you can, if you want to go four or five wide before the half or maybe late in the game, uh, he's a guy that's going to get some playing time. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I just like the way – Uh, The ball's being spread out. One more as far as the positives, at least through the first seven games, as we go over to the defensive side of the ball. And it's just the number of contributions that this team is getting from a number of different players at all three levels with respect to the defensive line, the linebackers, and the secondary. Can't say enough about the additions that were made to this defense in the offseason with regard to the free agent signings of Devon Kennard, Devondre Campbell, and Jordan Phillips, and then throw in Drake Kirkpatrick, who was added 
during training camp. That is a lot to ask when you're a defensive coordinator as far as trying to figure out all of those players within your system, which is going into year two with an existing core group of players, a Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson, Chandler Jones before he got hurt, Corey Peters, and getting everyone to mesh together. Yet what have we seen, especially late on prime time, Monday night football, Sunday night football, Everyone is figuring out, one, their role, what they do best, and working together as a complete unit because I don't think there's just one guy that you can say, all right, he's the reason that this defense right now is amongst the best in what Vance Joseph looks at that is scoring allowed, red zone, and third down. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think it's more by committee. Obviously, when you lose Chandler Jones and, you know, Kylie Fitz and Hassan Reddick and you know, I think Kennard has is, is, picked up his role, uh, even though he's a guy that can set the edge. Um, but I, I just think the secondary it, it was the strength going in and unfortunately he had some injuries. But when you can cover on the back end, you don't need to have just one pass rusher. And, and the Cardinals have done a better job, uh, you know, stopping teams on third down. They've done a better job in the red zone, forcing teams to kick field goals. So, but I think when you can cover on the back end, and that's what they want to do well, they, whether they play a shell zone or man-to-man, and when you get production like that from Patrick Peterson, uh, they're a different team. He has been able to get back on track, if you will. That redemption tour that he talked about in training camp, I think it was a little bit slow out of the gate. But when you have now number one wide receivers that you know and can acknowledge and then say, all right, He's my guy, and I think we saw that with Amari Cooper. We saw that with D.K. Metcalf. Those players were not a factor in the Cowboys and Seahawks games, respectively, and a lot has to do with Peterson, even though it doesn't always show up in the stat sheet. Yeah, he's got two interceptions. You have to kind of go deeper dive into the analytics and the next-gen stats, and the coaching staff does that. Not always something the fans can look at they just see what they see on the field and specifically the Tyler Lockett first play of the game on Sunday night football and then the touchdown catch I mean you're going to get beat as a defensive back it's how do you respond the next play and the play after that yeah and you know Drake or Patrick I know he's had some injuries but you know he's got to have better coverage and uh, you know when it comes to him and they got Prince Armakamura now you know Dre's been the guy uh, you don't want to, you know, do too much shuffling. And uh, Prince has been out of football since training camp, so I'm not putting the cart before the horse. But I want to see Drake or Patrick. He needs to do a much better job tackling in the open field. I know we're talking about positives, but it's just when I look at that secondary, I don't want to say he's the weakest link because you get Jalen back and the way Deontay's playing. It's just he he he's got to play within the frame of the defense. And it, well, I know that. When he's the number two corner, he's going and sometimes playing sides, he's going to draw that number one guy. But I want to see him become a better tackler in the open field when teams are running the ball. Overall, when you look at the numbers of this defense, and this is all based on yards, they're number 20, number 25 against the run, number 19 against the pass. But what do coaches look at? And I referenced it earlier. Coach Joseph looks at points per game. They are number 10 in points allowed, 20.9. They are number two in red zone defense, allowing only 12 touchdowns on 27 trips inside the 20-yard line. And then number eight on third down, 36.8%. They are getting teams off the field on third down. Those are the three statistics Scoring defense, red zone defense, and third down defense, more so than the yards that are allowed passing and rushing. Yeah, I mean, clearly you don't want to give up 500 yards, but 
that game was back and forth, and they, they, the Cardinals trailed. They were down by 10. Um, and then they obviously did a really good job in the second half holding the uh, Seahawks to seven points. But, yeah, I mean, uh, to me, points allowed. When I say this, and I don't mean it like this, teams can go – I always say allow, but teams can go from the 20 to the 20. It's what happens now in, in, in the in – the, the green zone. That's, I mean, it's called the red zone, but that's where you make your money also on the intermediate route. So, you know, the fact that the Cardinals and, and clearly the field gets a lot shorter, so you don't have as much room to cover, but they've done a good job. And it's not so much the sacks, it's, you know, making teams one dimensional where they have to run the ball. And then all of a sudden, if they want to utilize play action, that's where they can, you know, try to create some turnovers. And, and let's give them credit because early in the season, they weren't forcing any turnovers. And now, you know, you're coming off a game against the MVP and you, you forced uh, some turnovers there in that game. And that's only going to help this team build confidence. Bird Gang, if you like this show, Cardinals Cover 2, make sure you subscribe to all of Arizona Cardinals podcasts. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Raids, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. As we continue here on this Thursday, Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, doing a deep dive, if you will, through the first seven games of the season, not only looking at the schedule, but also looking where this team stands, both the positives, and now, MJ, let's flip the script. Areas to improve upon, some of which we've already kind of briefly mentioned, and I'll go back to something that you said, and that is the passing game. A little bit more consistent. It's nothing that this team is not doing well, but rankings-wise, it's an average passing attack. In fact, it's number 15, and when I say more consistency, i just like to see more on the same page as far as the deep shots, whether that's a DeAndre Hopkins or specifically, and maybe more importantly, an Andy Isabella. Yeah, I mean, you look at Kyle Murray, he's completing 67% of his passes. He has 13 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's on pace to, to have 4,000 yards and close to 1,000, which is remarkable. Um, but yeah, it, it's his, he's been off a little bit, and um, I do think – you know, I know he didn't put up great numbers in the Cowboys game, but I thought they found something in the Jets game when it came to the passing game. And you know how I feel about Christian Kirk. Um, he's a he's a vertical threat. Um, he's a guy that can work the numbers. He can work the sticks. Um, and I think when he's on the field, Kyler's been able to spread the ball around, not, not so much just, um, you know, I and DeAndre Hopkins. I thought Larry had a really good game. And when you're spreading the ball around like that, you know, teams got to figure out who are we going to double, who, how are we going to roll coverage over, do we bracket someone? So I think they're close, but obviously, you know, Murray's been known for accuracy and throwing in the tight windows. I just want to see more of that, but I don't want him forcing it, though. No, he shouldn't, and I don't think he does. And I'm okay if you get a ball batted down yeah. or you're thrown into coverage and it's a good play by the defense. It's when Larry Fitzgerald is wide open in the end zone and you miss him. Or it's yes. when Andy Isabella is running two deep routes and either he ran the wrong route or the throw wasn't on target. And then it's DeAndre Hopkins looking behind him because the ball is five yards in a direction that he's not used to. That's I want to see cleaned up, and that's what I mean as far as the passing game being a little bit more consistent. Yeah, it's just it needs to be more efficient. There, that's a better word. Yes, it needs to be more efficient because we do see flashes, but we want to see more consistency. And and, that, and any good football team, 
um, when you have five wins out of your first seven games, you have to be more consistent week in and week out, and I think we're starting to see that from the Cardinals. You make a good point, though, about Christian Kirk. He does lead the team with five receiving touchdowns, and his 15.4 yards per catch average is number one on the team. He doesn't have a lot of targets or a lot of catches, but it's what he is doing with those opportunities that I like. And now it's just a matter of him staying healthy because I do think when you can go three deep on your wide receiving core, that is huge because teams will try to take away a DeAndre Hopkins or limit him or make sure Larry Fitzgerald's not beating them. And as we saw on Sunday Night Football with the Seahawks, you can't cover everyone. So if your number one and number two options are taken out, well, then that's when Christian Kirk can step up, much like a Tyler Lockett did against the Cardinals secondary. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And if, if you look at the last two games, you know, he's caught 11 balls for over about 113 yards, and he has four touchdowns. And that's since he's been back yeah. from that groin injury. And I think they're just spreading the ball around. Now, um, you, you mentioned uh, the targets. I mean, he, he's, uh, during the winning streak, 18 targets, 12 catches for 201 yards and four touchdowns. Again, I just think they're spreading the ball around. Uh, we're early in the season. It, clearly, he was w- looking at Hopkins, and, and I understand if you're not going to cover him in the first two weeks, but it looks like more balance in the offense between running the football and, and then obviously capitalizing in the red zone and scoring touchdowns versus field goals. Now you look at this team defensively and as far as where they can get better at, I know a couple of weeks ago Vance Joseph brought up the takeaways. Well, this team is starting to take the ball away, and they do come in bunches as the saying goes, and they are doing a very good job of getting to the quarterback. 19 sacks, which is top 10 in the league. Hassan Reddick leads the team with five. That is tied for eighth most in the league. A lot of different players with multiple sacks. Abuda Baker, Corey Peters, Dennis Gardeck. Devon Kennard, Jordan Phillips. Yet the one name I didn't mention is Chandler Jones is because he's on the sidelines, done for the season with a biceps injury. So you wonder how sustainable this is with what the team has done in the two games since Jones has been out. Can they keep getting to the quarterback? And if they are, then where does that come from? And I know you want to bring up someone we haven't talked a lot about, but Marcus Golden is soon to be on this team. Yeah, in case you missed it, the Cardinals uh, traded for Marcus Golden, a six-round pick in 2021. And, uh, you know, he had a really good year with the Giants. Obviously, James Betcher was there. He had 10 sacks, and then he had a sack and a half on that Thursday night game. So he's he had to go through the COVID process. But when the Cardinals get back on the practice field next week, uh, I start to wonder, he's a plug-and-play guy now. He hasn't played for Vance Joseph. However, he did play for Todd Bowles, and he did play for James Betcher. And, you know, they do play a 3-4, so there's probably some new uh, terminology and language that he's going to have to go with. But, again, there's the quarterback, rush him. So now is Hassan Ruddick still the starter with uh, with Devon Kennard? I think he's earned it. But he got a guy like that coming in the game, and, and he's probably going to be looked at more of a situational pass rusher. Nothing against Dennis Gardeck and Kylie Fitz, but he's your third guy or two and a half. And uh, I don't know how much he's going to play. I don't think he's going to play 60 snaps to, 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 at the beginning because they like Kennard and they like what, what Reddick's doing. But he definitely will add to the mix. And, you know, a couple of years ago 
when he had 12 and a half sacks and Chandler had 10 and a half sacks, they had a really good one-two punch. And I'm, you know, curious to see what happens. But now they they own his rights to the end of the season, and you got to give the Cardinals credit because, you know, it rejuvenates the locker room. He's he's beloved in that locker room. We know how he plays with his hair on fire. He's got that uh, contagious and uh, uh, personality, that smile. And he plays the way the, the the game the right way, so I think he'll bring uh, this team some uh, some lift. And again, they're not relying on one guy, so it's it's nice to see we're uh, you know sacked by committee. But I think Golden can definitely help him in the second half of the season. And I think as far as the trickle down effect, it is going to maybe reduce the number of snaps of a Kylie Fitz or Dennis Gardeck. Although what we've seen from Gardeck, especially. He hasn't seen a lot of defensive snaps, but when he's on the field, it is specific pass rush situations, second and long, third and long, and he's very good because it's almost like he waits for that opportunity and all that energy and all that athleticism slash power that he has. It's, it's a small package, but what he's able to do with it, he's certainly been very effective at getting to the quarterback. and. I don't know, maybe at the end of this season we're talking about X number of sacks, but it's going to be, oh, the sacks that he missed because he's always been in the backfield. But I like your phrasing as far as a group effort when it comes to sacks or at least pressures, the hurries, the knockdowns, much like we saw on Sunday with Russell Wilson just getting him hit to make sure he knows that the defense is coming after him, and perhaps Marcus Golden can make sure that that continues even without a Chandler Jones. Yeah, and when you see Gardick go in the game, and you're right, it's more like, you know, when they're second and long and third and long, and, and let's be honest, teams look at him, he's undersized. They don't think he's a threat, but we know he plays the echo of the whistle. He plays with passion, and that's something you don't teach. I mean, it, a lot of guys are gifted with talent, and they feel like they can win with talent, but if you if you take a playoff, he's going to get around you. So I think, I think they'll have a nice little rotation over there, but I would assume right now the top three guys – Canard, Reddick, and Golden. All right, the last area to improve upon this second half of the season, special teams for me, and it's not a lot of opportunity as far as the return game is concerned so far, whether that's kickoff return or punt return. Christian Kirk has eight returns for 29 yards. That's less than four yards a return. And Chase Edmonds has eight kickoff returns, averaging 23 yards. And I just wonder, I think the coverage units are pretty solid. I just wonder if we can't get that, especially the punt return, to where it's a Christian Kirk or an Andy Isabella to put the offense into better field position with an extended run and just kind of helping out with an assist, if you will. I know kickoffs, a lot of them are touchbacks or they're corner kicks, so you always want to get back to the 25-yard line. But I think punt return might be, if you're looking, and maybe we're nitpicking here, looking to improve here over the last nine games. Yeah, and, you know, Christian Kirk has been close, maybe not this year, but he definitely knows to possess the ball. He knows the 10-yard rule. And it's just a matter of time. Obviously, that's one unit that, that, well, there's two units. They wanted to improve on their coverage units and obviously get more production from the return game. I think Chase Edmonds has done a good job. I think his decision-making has been good. And and give Jeff Rogers uh, credit for – 
you know, having the uh, the kicker kick the ball a little bit higher so they weren't able to return the kick. So I, I, I like what Chase is doing. I think Christian Kirk's close. Um, but, again, you, you want to make sure you don't give up those long kickoffs where teams are taking the ball at the 35 or 40, one first down, they're at midfield. Now let me ask you this when it comes to Edmonds on kickoff return. Kenyon Drake is expected to miss some time. How much time? Who knows at this point, but I would certainly not expect him to be on the field against the Dolphins come November 8th. If Edmonds becomes your starting running back, do you really want him returning kicks? Is it someone else back there in the event it's a short kickoff? Well, usually, you know, during training camp, they would have four to six guys, and probably those, you know, those last three guys are probably not on the roster or on the practice squad. You know, this could be the open the door for you know Benjamin, but he doesn't really play on teams, and you know, sometimes you may only have three or four kickoffs. You know, maybe it's a, an opportunity for Andy Isabella. Uh, he's active on game day. Um, you know, he's got to he's got to secure the ball. Um, you know, there are times he may he's going to have to down it and take it at the twenty five, but you know, DJ Foster, he's kind of an up back where, you know, you have your your two returners. He, he actually, when the ball's in the air, he goes in front of the so he can help block. Uh, he does have it. I don't know about the speed part, um, but I think he's really good on coverage teams and, and obviously blocking uh, for, for the punt returner and the kick returner. So that's a good question. I, I guess we'll find out. I don't think we're going to know until kickoff. Just you don't want to tip your hand uh, gamesmanship, but um, – Curious to see what the options are because Isabella is active on game day, and that means you don't have to, you know, call for a guy to be on the 53-man roster if he's only going to do one or two things. Well, what it's worth, Isabella is listed as the backup on the depth chart, although we know that's unofficial. Um, and I think that he, would be their next option, or at least on the surface from our vantage point. He he took a ton of reps uh, catching the punts, and it really came down to Isabella and Kirk. Um, and he took a ton of kickoff returns um, during the open portion of practice. Sometimes they do special teams early. Uh, they use the jugs machine. So he had, he's, he's had a lot of practice, and I'm assuming he's going to get more uh, based on the availability if uh, Kenyon Drake is out and Chase Edmonds becomes the bell cow. Again, maybe a little bit nitpicky as far as special teams and some of the areas to improve upon, but that's what you do here during the bike. You self-evaluate, you self-scout because you want to get better. You want to keep this train moving along, and five wins is, well, it's still not good enough. It's great after seven games, but you want to be able to maybe double that win total now heading towards the regular season finale at the Rams on January 3rd. Make that game mean something. Make that game against the 49ers on December 26th or 27th means something not only for the division but for the entire playoff picture in the NFC so hey I'll take it here in the year of 2020 it's uh, certainly been an interesting season so far off season regular season but I'll say this after seven games MJ I'm impressed with the 2020 Arizona Cardinals. No doubt. And, you know, we were excited in the offseason, and, and we'd always have to couch it, with, uh, couch it with on paper. Well, now we're seeing the, you know, the, the upside when it comes to playing games on the field. So they backed it up, and they have a more talented roster, better personnel than a year ago, and there's a reason why they're 5-2. and two. 
It's going to be a very good bye week for everyone, including us here on Cardinals Cover 2, because it's always good to go in with a little momentum as far as in that win column and the Cardinals on a three-game winning streak. On that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.